Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Hey, welcome to Branch Life Church this morning. Gang, you're probably sitting there, and at some point over the last few days and weeks, you've come up through this realization that we are living in uncertain times. Man, welcome to our Daniel study. We're in week four. We're going to be in Daniel chapter four. And my name is Pastor Josh. I'm one of the founding pastors of Branch Life Church. And we're glad that you can join us here this morning as we dive in to God's word together. Here's what we know about uncertainty. Right now, uncertainty is probably our new normal. You know, I don't know if that's a a surprise statement to you, but You know, just a few months ago, we probably all had plans about summer vacations and the end of school and graduations. We kind of knew where we were going with our business plan and our game plan. We kind of knew what the season would entail and when when the World Series would happen and when football season would kick off. Now all of that is completely uncertain. And we don't know when it's going to change. We don't know when it's going to be different. For right now, Uncertainty is our new normal. When we look into the stories and the the truths in Daniel and in the book of Daniel, we're leaning into the idea that faith is extremely important in uncertain times. So what can you know when you don't know what's ahead? What can you be certain of in uncertain times? Well, when you have faith in God, It transforms your uncertain moments. And we've been traveling through Daniel together. If you've missed any of our series, you can catch up with it at branchlife.church at any time. Or better yet, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'd love to see more subscribers there. If you have been a part of our Daniel series up to this point, we'd love for you to smash the like button and the love button all along the way. Interact. Give us some comments online. This is the best we can do in a season of social distancing. We're uncertain about when we're going to gather together, so make sure you say hi to your friends there right in the chats and the platforms that you are in. So let's jump into Daniel chapter 4 as we talk about faith in uncertain times. We're continuing on with the stories that are presented in in this biography, in this true history book. And we're presenting these stories each week, and each week we're landing on one truth that can be an encouragement to you during this next week. One truth that you can build your faith on, that you can lean into. And so this week we're going to look at Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4 in verse 1, it starts, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all the people and nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show you the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. Now, before we go anywhere else in this chapter, there is a lot that we get to look at and understand in this verse, and it's a little bit mind-blowing what we are told. As you look at the story in Daniel, especially 1, 2, 3, and 4, those chapters, King Nebuchadnezzar is one of, if not the main character in this story. And this chapter is his closing scene. We're going to see a full arc in King Nebuchadnezzar's story. The other main character is the Most High God. 
Now think about what King Nebuchadnezzar is and who he was. An ancient historian long past identified seven ancient wonders of the world that everybody needed to see. The things, uh, ancient wonders included things like the Colossus of Rome and the Great Pyramids, which are the only surviving of the seven ancient wonders of the world. There was also on that list the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, so spectacular that everyone in the world should see them in their lifetime. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon were a direct result of King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar is the guy who built the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, this, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And the reason he built it was to make his wife happy. You see, he married a princess that came from a mountainous region. And when she moved to Babylon, Babylon was the capital of the world at that time and in this moment. And Babylon was, was, was growing. And King Nebuchadnezzar is one of the most successful kings, not only of Babylon, but of all time. And she missed her mountain. She missed the view of the greenery on the hillsides. And so what does King Nebuchadnezzar do? Well, he builds in the middle of the city a giant mountain of gardens. Just this huge pyramid, this huge mountain that was made of clay and mortar, but filled with her favorite flowers and trees and plants. And it pointed up to the skies and was covered in earth and dirt and greenery. King Nebuchadnezzar being the most powerful man on the planet, could build an ancient wonder of the world. That's who he was. And so when King Nebuchadnezzar makes a proclamation to all people and in all languages that dwell in all the earth, this is before the internet, this is before anything could be recorded, he had the power to get a message out to everybody in all the earth in every language. That's who King Nebuchadnezzar was. And King Nebuchadnezzar's story is one of transformation from the beginning of Daniel to the end of Daniel, all because King Nebuchadnezzar met someone who had faith in uncertain times. King Nebuchadnezzar began his journey with the Most High God first in chapter 1 by being introduced to God. He met God through Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was impressed with their faith. But this God was foreign to him. King Nebuchadnezzar not only believed in many gods, but he thought as the king of Babylon, he was a divine God himself. But he was introduced to the God Most High in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he goes from being introduced to including the God Most High into his belief system. He saw God do some incredible things through Daniel, specifically interpret a dream that nobody knew. And when he saw God do that through Daniel, he included the God Most High into his belief system. He was now one of many gods that Nebuchadnezzar believed in and looked at and respected, including himself. But that's as far as he took it. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just in last week's story, showed us that King Nebuchadnezzar was, uh, was impressed by the God Most High, when he walked through the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, 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 and saved them from destruction. To the point where King Nebuchadnezzar told the whole world, nobody can speak against this God. And King Nebuchadnezzar adopted a name for God that came from Daniel. The name that he used for God is the God Most High. 
And in chapter 4, we're going to see this name come up over and over and over again. In Hebrew, this is Elion. This means the uppermost, the highest of the high, the leader of leaders, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords, the God most high. So we do believe in this moment that King Nebuchadnezzar, though he believed in many gods, was now putting Daniel's God even above himself. It's incredible. And he says to everybody in all the world, it is good to me to show you the signs and wonders that God has done for me, those things that he saw over the last few chapters. Listen, it is good to remember what God has done for you. It is a good thing to recall and to think about the amazing things that God has done in your life. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have believed in God, it is good to remember that moment that you became a follower of Jesus when you were introduced to God for the first time. I love being a part of conversations and prayer times where people begin to believe in God for the first time and they invite God in their life and that God transforms their hearts. They go from dark to, to light. They go from lost to found, from dead to alive. And if you've experienced salvation Through the power of God, that's something to remember. That's something to tell people about and to share. When you see God do incredible things, whether it's protecting you through a journey, whether it's supplying you with an answer, whether it's giving you peace and comfort during difficult times, it's good to remember the great things that God has done. I love when people go out for a walk and they take their cameras on the sunset or when the sun's going up and they post this picture and they look at the beautiful things that God has done. The birth of a newborn baby when you're holding your child for the first time and you can't help but see the face of God, the good signs and wonders that God has done. It's good for us to remember. This is why we gather together on Sundays, even with our families around our televisions and our computer sets during a pandemic because it's good for us together to remember what God has done. The power of perspective transforms our lives. And it is true that you get what you see is what you get. And when you see God, you get God. But if you just see yourself, you just get yourself. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar said to the whole world in verse two, how great are his signs. How mighty are his wonders. He's seen him walk through fire. He's seen him give knowledge to those that didn't know. His kingdom is everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures forever from generation to generation. King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the world, stopped and thought it was good to remember the good things that God has done. It's good today for you to take a moment and remember what God has done in your life. We're going to ask everybody who's watching at some point to fill out their response card. And if you want to share with us one thing that God has done, one thing that you remember from God, we'd love to hear that story. So go ahead and put that in the response card. But in the story of Daniel chapter 4 goes on and King Nebuchadnezzar, after making this worldwide proclamation, has another dream. And he has a dream that disturbs him and he calls in Daniel who has become known to be the interpreter of dreams. And and Daniel tells him the meaning of this dream. And in the dream, King Nebuchadnezzar sees a tree that covers the entire earth and it provides great bounty and, and shade. It reminds me of our vision statement as a church. We believe the stronger your connection to Christ, the greater your reach. That's why we're a branch life church. We want to strengthen our connection to Christ so we can help shade, support, and supply sustenance to the people around us to love God and love our neighbors. 
King Nebuchadnezzar was that tree for the whole world. And in this dream, he saw this tree. And then this tree was knocked down by a divine agent. And it was brought down to a humble place. And every, every animal under the tree was scattered. And it was said that there would be a season where King Nebuchadnezzar would go through a time of humbleness, of humiliation, so that he would remember who was actually in charge, the God Most High. So why was this dream happening? Why would King Nebuchadnezzar have to be brought to a humble place? Well, the reason we're given in in verse 17 and 25 is this, that the living may know that the Most High, there's that name, that Elion rules the kingdom of men and gives to whom he will and sets over the lowliest of men. Don't forget, King Nebuchadnezzar, that God is the most high one. Don't forget, friend, that God is the most high one. Don't forget, dad, that God is the most high. Don't forget, boss. Don't forget, student. Don't forget, teenager. Don't forget that God is the most high one. Why would King Nebuchadnezzar have to go through this experience of having a dream and being brought to a lowly place? Well, he forgot. He forgot what he asked everyone else to do. And here's the truth, guys. It's it's hard to remember what God has done for you. It's hard. I mean, we're really, really good at forgetting things. And probably me more than most people. I, I, I'm one of those guys that has a poor memory, not just because I have a poor memory, but I've been told that I have this wonderful thing called a learning disability. And so for me, the reason that I spell things wrong, if you ever get an email or a text from me, I apologize for it, is because I just have a, a hard time. There's just something not connecting that allows me to remember how to spell that word, even though I've probably written it down thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So over the years, this ability to forget for me has become a superpower. In some ways, it's great because I sometimes forget, you know, bad things that have happened or hard conversations. And I literally just don't remember those things. I'm good at forgetting. And we as people are good at forgetting what God has done. And it happens to us so quickly. And when we start stepping away from spiritual habits like prayer, When we start stepping away from looking into God's word and being reminded about his great signs and wonders like helping people through the fiery furnace, when we step away from gathering together in church, one of the dangers is that we can forget what God has done. One of the dangers that we have during this pandemic, friend, is that we disconnect from our churches, that we disconnect from our spiritual community, where we we worship together. We can't be in the same place. So I want to encourage you to commit yourself to doing everything in your power to strengthen your connection to Christ, to strengthen your connection to your church. Maybe it's time that you step into a small group and you gather with, with people. You reach out to a friend that you haven't seen for a couple of months who you would have normally seen at a church service that you offer to serve and to help somebody and worship together, even though it's virtual, each and every week, gathering your family, not being distracted, so that we can remind ourselves of what God has done. Because it's hard to remember what God has done. And this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man on the planet. At the end of 12 months, just 12 months after his proclamation, one year later, 
He was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. He's looking at the, at the gardens. He's looking at everything that he has built. He has made this capital city and this empire the strongest it has ever been. It's been under his, it's his rule that he's been successful. And he says, and you can't blame him, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal resistance and for the glory of my majesty. Look what I have done. Look what I've built, King Nebuchadnezzar says. He gives himself a pat on the back. He says, boy, I have done something good here. And we so often slip into the same mindset. Like it's actually our fault when something goes good. Like we were the ones behind the powerful for no one man can build up an empire or a city or a kingdom or even a hanging gardens. There is something greater than ourselves, the one who is the king of kings and behind all things. But King Nebuchadnezzar forgot and immediately trouble came. The Bible says that the dream came true and no sooner did he speak the words that he had what the dream predicted, what the Bible calls a humiliation. And Nebuchadnezzar had what we could only describe as a breakdown. He became someone who was like a beast of the field. And for a period of seven seasons, he was like an animal. He forgot his senses. It was all taken away from him. And he was displaced as the ruler of the guy that was taking credit for everything that happened. Listen, we have learned in our story of Daniel that God allows trouble. God allows it. In the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember they were being threatened with being thrown into the fiery furnace and they said, God can save us from the fiery furnace, but if not, we will still worship him. They realize, they acknowledge this truth that while we believe God can save us, he often allows us to go through trouble. And we are being allowed to travel through this trouble of a pandemic right now. Could God save us? Should we pray that he heals our land? 100% absolutely do it without doubting and have full faith. Talk to God about what's hurting and where you're, where life is, is falling apart and where you need his intervention and his miracles and his help and his healing. Go to God and believe in full faith that he can move a mountain because he can. But if not, we still worship God. King Nebuchadnezzar was allowed to walk through trouble because here's the truth about trouble. And this is the big idea for today. Trouble always transforms. Trouble always transforms when you go through hard times, when you go through periods of loss, when you battle a sickness, when you are hurting in some way, shape, or form. It transforms you. Now the question is, is it going to transform you for the good or for the bad? Will you take your heartache, will you take your failures, and will you turn them into success later? Or will you use them as excuses to keep failing and to keep falling? God allows trouble in our lives, but he promises that he always will walk through it with us. When trouble comes, do you lean on God for transformation? Do you see God's presence? Or do you look at yourself? Remember, what you see is what you get. And if you see God in trouble, 
then you get the God of the universe to help you through that trouble. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But if you look at only yourself in times of trouble, all you get is yourself. And you are your only helper. You are the only power there. And when you're at the end of yourself and you can't do anything else, if all you see is yourself, then all hope is lost. King Nebuchadnezzar was going through a period of trouble and it would transform him. As we travel through trouble, we need to see the transformation that can take place in our lives. One of the greatest stories of transformation through trouble is the story of Job. There's an entire book of the Bible that's dedicated to it right before Psalms. And when you look at the book of Job, you see the story of a man, an older man with adult children who was a business owner, who was a a thinker, a leader in his day and in his time, and who was a man of faith. He was dedicated in his relationship with God. So much so that Satan came and said, hey, Job's going Job's to curse your name, God, if you let him lose some of his stuff and get sick. And God said, I don't think so, so go for it. And Satan attacked Job. He lost his family. His children passed away in an accident. He lost his business, and he lost his health, and he found himself staring at the face of God. And was always lost, Job looked into God's character. Job looked into God's face and had a conversation with God. And in Job chapter 42, in verses 1 and 2, we see a transformation moment. Job had gone through trouble, and now here came the change. Job says to God, I know you can do anything. He's talking to God. I know you can do anything, and no one can stop you. And you, God, asked, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? Who are we to question the ways of God? Who are we to say, God, I don't think you know what you're doing. I think you should do it my way. Who are we to do that? And Job said, it's me. I'm the one that questions God's wisdom. It was me. I was talking about things I knew nothing about and things that were far too wonderful for me. When you look at the face of God, when you see God, when you remember God's great works, you realize how how mysterious and how unworthy you are. We don't know what we don't know. But often we act like we know everything. Just go on to social media today and you'll find people who are experts in disease and pandemics and master plans to get the world economy back running again. Who are you? What do you know? What do you know that I don't know? What do you know that scientists don't know? We know one thing for sure. Uncertainty is our new normal. So where do we go in times of certain? We look at the face of God and we we. Remember his great and mighty works that he's told us about in his word, that he's shown us in our lives, and we depend on that God. Man, Job was transformed through trouble. And what I want to do today is ask you this one question, and it's a question you need to ask during times of trouble. What about you? What about you? What is God doing in you during this pandemic? Have you stopped and really, really stopped and taken some time to reflect about on how God is changing you? What is it that God is doing in you? What is it that God is doing through you? What's he speaking to you? What's he showing you? Have you taken time to see the face of God? Have you taken time to remember what great things God has done? 
If you're finding yourself filled with anxiety in the season of uncertainty, if you have unsure steps that you are trying to take, if if you're just overwhelmed with what's happening and you feel like you're sinking into the deep end of the pool, I want to encourage you to look at God, to spend time with that God, and to ask yourself, hey, what is it that God you want to say to me today? During this pandemic and during this season, I believe that we all need to pause, that we all need to stop, and we need to take our own pulse and our own spiritual heartbeat in this moment and say, God, what are you teaching me today? When you ask yourself that question, you may realize that you need to be introduced to God. You may realize that you never met God, that you don't know God. You've always think, thought that God was out there somewhere. But maybe today you need to meet God face to face. You need to understand who the God of the Bible is. Today I want to introduce you to God. And I want to say that God loves you, that God cares about you, and you have a broken relationship with God because of the sin that's in all of our hearts. And God wants to repair that relationship. He sent his son to die for us on the cross And his son rose again from the dead, offering salvation to everyone who believes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I introduce you to God today? And today, would you be willing to take the step into a personal relationship with God and decide, I'm going to be a follower of God? If that's you, we want to encourage you to click on the gospel link that's being posted on the platform, branchlife.church slash the gospel And you can hear a little bit more about who God is and how you can become a follower of God. And if it's something that you're just learning about for the first time, take your time with it and don't don't hesitate to reach out. If you're ready to become a follower of God, pray this prayer and, and say to God, God, I'm in. Say, God, I'm a follower of you. You can talk to God right now in the moment. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross and raise again for my sin. I want to accept you into my life and I want to follow you. Will you become my Lord and Savior? And if you pray that prayer, believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, your eternity is sure. And today your introduction to God has brought you into the family of God. If you've prayed that prayer today or during this rebroadcast, will you let us know? In the comments, just say, hashtag I prayed that prayer. Or go to that gospel tab and click on it and give us your information there. Or better yet, fill out the response card. And in the response card, say, today I prayed to accept God as my personal Savior. We'd love to introduce you to God. When you ask yourself this question, what is God doing to you? Maybe you need to just include God into your life. Maybe God has been one part of your life and he's been around many other gods in your life. And you need to say, you know what? I need to learn more about this God. I need to bring him into my life. I need to investigate him further. I need to understand him more. We want to invite you to do that. And maybe you need to be someone who has now invited God into your life. And you've invited him to be the ruler, the most high God over everything. You know, for me, this has been an extremely important season and an extremely important question to ask myself. What does this, what is God doing in me? What is God doing in and through me, in my heart, and in my spiritual walk through this time? For me, right before the pandemic hit, there was this uh, really small thing that was a big deal in my life over the last two months. I was playing basketball, and I jammed my finger. 
I thought that during that, that basketball season, I've jammed my finger thousands of times. Ah, oh, here goes a few weeks of a sore finger. But a few weeks turned into many weeks. And I found out that I had broken my finger. And I was going to the doctor during a period where you couldn't go to the doctor. And for weeks, I was hiding the fact that my finger was broken whenever I was on camera. And I have been having to wear this ginormous monstrosity I had to wear it in my sleep. I had to wear it during the day. And it became just the bane of my existence. And I remember sitting in the first few weeks of this pandemic thinking to myself, I can't go to church. I can't, my kids can't go to school. I can't visit my own parents. There's so much that I can't do. I can't do and I can't do. And now on top of this all, I have a finger and I can't swipe on my phone. I, I, I can't look good on camera. I love to play the guitar and worship through the guitar. You try to play the guitar with this giant thing on your finger and I couldn't do it. I felt like all of that was taken away from me. So I asked myself the question, God, what do you have for me? And God said, hey, it's not about what you can't do. It's about what you can do. And there are so many things that we can do, even when we're told we can't. In the Bible, it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And what God has been doing in me is he's been saying, listen, you can get through this season. Your your finger will heal. You will be able to someday play the guitar again. You will be able to someday gather again in your church and your kids will be able to go to school. All of those things will happen. But in the meantime, there are things that you can do. I can be a better father and a better husband to my wife. God said to me, I can still worship even though I can't play the guitar. I can still participate in gathering together virtually. And we're thankful for the things that we can do. Hey, I want to put a kid's challenge out there. Kids, every week we like to give you a challenge and we want to ask you to post yourself a picture or a video and you use the hashtag and and tag Branch Life Church. Well, this week's challenge is we want to see kids what you can do. Show us one of your talents. Show us one of your abilities. Show us something that you and only you can do, and it's something that you love to do. Maybe your parents can help you. Maybe it's something you can do together. Show us what it is that you get to do and you can do during this season. And remember, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And for me, that was a lesson I needed to learn. When I was getting discouraged, When I was getting downtrodden, when I was starting to focus on myself and my limitations, I needed to look up to God and remember that we can do so many things. Proverbs 4.8 for me became an incredible verse. And that verse says, hey, we're not supposed to think and concentrate on what we can't do, but whatever is good, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is of good report, think on those things. And for me, this is how I've been answering the question What is God doing? He's helping me to see him more and to see what I can do through him more and that I have things to be thankful for and ways to worship and unique opportunities in this season. I don't want you to waste this pandemic. I don't want you to waste this trouble or waste this pain. Don't waste it complaining. Don't waste it being anxious. Don't waste it being upset or mad or angry at the man. I want you to 
Take this pain and this pandemic and this opportunity and allow it to transform you so that you can see God in a better way, in a more powerful way, and that you can have a closer relationship with God. What if on the other end of this, your relationship with God was stronger? Your relationship with the church was stronger. Your relationships in general were better. And maybe God has is t- is brought COVID-19 and allowed this trouble in this world so that you can see him clearly and you can be restored and transformed through this season. King Nebuchadnezzar went through his time of humiliation. And at the end of the seven seasons, I, Nebuchadnezzar, our main character in the story, lifted my eyes to heaven. He saw Jesus. He saw God. He lifted up. He said, God, I want to see you. You are doing this in me. And my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High, the Elion, the one above, the one behind, the one below, the one before, the one who is after, the one who is in all and over all. He is the one who we bless and who we praise and who we honor with our lives forever. In this season of trouble, will you honor Elion, the God Most High, with your life? This week, wrestle with the question, what is God doing in you? We want to invite everyone to answer that question through our response cards. Will you take a moment and wrestle with it? And maybe it's not something you do right now. Maybe it's something you do during the week where you pray over it and you give an answer. It helps tremendously if you would write this down. It'll seal it into your heart and your spirit. What is God doing in you during this pandemic? How have you seen God's wonders? It is good to remember the wonders signs that God has done. And it's hard for us. We easily forget. So let's remind ourselves of what God has done. Let's ask him what he is doing in this season. Will you rest in him and take some time to see God in the midst of this trouble? I want to read for you a psalm as we close our time out together today. Psalm 91, I encourage you to read the entire psalm this week, says this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the trapper and and from the deadly pestilence. May God show you great signs and wonders this week as you seek his face.